I'm Dr. Janelle Anderson, former college professor turned manager in a large corporation turned entrepreneur. And not just any entrepreneur. I've made it my life's work to make organizational life more effective and fulfilling. So welcome to Working Conversations, the podcast where we digest and translate research and ideas on workplace dynamics and serve up to you the most interesting and actionable strategies to make your workplace conversations and your relationships more effective, productive, and influential. If you're looking for proven tools for your workplace toolbox, you're in the right place. Now, let's get after it. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Working Conversations podcast, where we talk all things leadership, business communication, and trends in organizational life. I'm your host, Dr. Janelle Anderson. Well, a new year is nearly upon us, and that means it's time to predict and prognosticate about what is coming up in the world of work in 2024. Thinking about the future is important for so many reasons. It helps us plan and make decisions in the present that can have a positive impact on our future. It helps us prepare for potential challenges or opportunities that may arise, and it helps us understand and make sense of the present. By considering how current events and trends may play out over time, we can gain a deeper understanding of the world around us and make more informed decisions. So let's dive into my predictions for the 2024 workplace. My first prediction, hybrid work models become the norm. Now, the era of remote work isn't a passing phase. It's a fundamental shift in how we approach work. And I predict that hybrid work models combining remote work and in-office work will settle in as the norm for many, if not most, organizations. Many large firms were laying down the law in 2023 to get people back into the office, and it wasn't terribly successful. I've covered this in a variety of facets over the past year and even earlier, and this year, I predict, this year in 2024, I predict that it will shake out to some normalcy, although it might take all of 2024 to get there because the opinion leaders in the work from home camps and the opinion leaders in the return to office camps are still far, far apart. Now, as I make this prediction, let me couch it specifically in the flexible work categories laid out in the Flex Index, a report published by Scoop in conjunction with the Boston consulting firm. The three main categories are fully flexible, structured hybrid, and full-time in office. Fully flexible includes those who are 100% remote and those where the employee has full control over where they work, whether that be in the office or work from home or a coffee shop or a co-working space. Now, structured hybrid includes those companies that require a minimum number of days on site or specific days on site or a minimum number of days or percentage of time on site. So that's where the structured comes from. And as you might expect, Full-time in office means exactly what you would think it is, on-site all the time. So using those three categories as my backdrop, I'm going to predict that structured hybrid rises as the leading model for where people work. It offers flexibility and structure, so both sides win. Now, the Flex report that I just mentioned, and I'll link that up in the show notes in case you want to go take a look at it yourself, and you can find the notes for this episode with that link at janelleanderson.com forward slash 143 for episode 143. 
Now that flex work report, which currently indexes some 7,500 companies and growing, shows that currently, the larger the company, the more likely they are to be using some form of that structured hybrid model. Now for small companies, less than 500 employees by their count, those small companies are much more likely to be fully flexible, that is 100% remote or 100% employee's choice. And you know that makes sense because smaller companies may not have commercial real estate to house all their employees or not enough commercial real estate to house all their employees if they have been growing, nor do they want the expense of commercial real estate or at least not a big footprint of it. So a larger percentage of small companies may still have a fully flexible model even as 2024 unfolds. Now, the Flex report also shows that tech companies are much more likely to be fully flexible, which again makes sense. Now, my prediction of structured hybrid offers employees flexibility while maintaining the benefits of in-person collaboration at least some of the time, and it helps keep the culture alive in those large organizations because culture does really suffer in large organizations when people are not in the office and interacting with each other. So as I said earlier, it is a win-win, and hopefully we will see this all shake out over the course of 2024. I also think that we'll see companies accelerate in their investment in technologies and policies that support a seamless blend of virtual and physical work. So go buy that stock in the high-tech companies that make the cool collaboration tools. (laughs) Except for I don't give financial advice. (laughs) Okay, that is prediction number one. Prediction number one is that hybrid work models will become the norm. My prediction number two is that there will be an increased focus on employee well-being. So the focus on employee well-being intensifies. So the events of the past few years have really underscored the importance of prioritizing employee well-being, and that includes mental health, but not only mental health. There's so much that goes into employee well-being. So an epidemic of loneliness has fallen in the wake of the pandemic, and that loneliness is impacting people's health, wellness, and not just like our emotional health, it's impacting our physical health too. So what the research is telling us, in fact, this is research that comes from Gallup. Every year they do their employee engagement surveys where they survey thousands of people. And what they have found is that people have closer relationships now. Fewer of them, far fewer of them, but closer. What they also find is that loneliness has increased globally And having a work best friend or close friend, it doesn't have to be your actual best friend, but your closest friend, a close friend friend at work dropped to an all-time low of two in 10. Only two in 10 people report having a very close friend at work. Now, having a very close friend at work has some positive business outcomes. And when we have fewer people with a close friend at work, those positive business outcomes drop. So let me share with you what those positive business outcomes are. First, is retention. When you have a close friend at work, you're less likely to leave and go work somewhere else because you've got that close friend. You enjoy going to work more because of that relationship. So retention goes up. Safety goes up. Safety goes up because I think people are looking out for each other, especially if it's you know if it's physical safety, let's say reflective vests or steel-toed shoes, or maybe even emotional safety or psychological safety. Safety goes up when you have a close friend at work. I think you're looking out for each other and maybe you're looking out for yourself a little bit more because that relationship is important to you and you wanna take care of yourself too for that other person. 
Another thing that goes up is cost containment and profitability because those two things go hand in hand. So people are more responsible with resources when they have a close friend at work and then the company becomes more profitable, which is great. One other one, and I think this one is hysterical, but inventory control goes up. What that means in, translated into plain English is people are less likely to steal from the company if they have a close friend at work. And I think that probably has everything to do from post, you know, stealing post-it notes and office supplies from the supply cabinet all the way up to white-collar crime where somebody's siphoning money off of or other resources out of the company. So there's some really good, important reasons, business outcomes, really, to having a close friend at work. But if we're lonely at work and if we're disconnected at work, we're not going to have that. And loneliness has become such an important topic that very recently, just last month, New York's governor named an honorary ambassador of loneliness. And you want to know who it is? Dr. Ruth Westheimer. Yes, Dr. Ruth now is helping the citizens of the state of New York move through their loneliness. And loneliness does not discriminate. Anybody is subject to loneliness. It doesn't, it's not just people who live by themselves or older people. What the research is showing is that young people, people in college, people who are surrounded by other people, even the extroverts among us are equally subject to loneliness. So when workplace loneliness is happening, it creates some negative outcomes in terms of mental health, physical health, and elsewhere. So three out of five employees currently report being lonely. Three out of five. That's 60%. Now, loneliness results in a 29% increase in cardiovascular disease. 29% increase in cardiovascular disease. That is equivalent to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. There's also a 32% increase in stroke among those who report being lonely and a 50% increase risk of developing dementia for those who report being lonely. Now, not only does loneliness affect our mental health and our physical health, it also impacts productivity. Cigna recently did a study on loneliness and they called it the Loneliness Index. And they surveyed just shy of 6,000 employees, not necessarily their own employees, but 6,000 workers. And what they found was those who were lonely missed an average of 5.7 more days of work per year, 5.7 more days of sick time and time away from the office. This isn't just like vacation time, but this is sick time, time out of the office. And then also they looked at people's intention to quit their job within the next year. And for those who were lonely, they were twice as likely to report the intention to quit their job within the next year. So 56.6% of those surveyed who reported being lonely were thinking about quitting their job or very likely to quit their job. And by contrast, only 29% of those who didn't report being lonely were thinking of leaving their job. So my prediction is that in 2024, organizations are going to take all of this into account and they will intensify their focus on creating supportive and healthy work environments. They will intensify their efforts to make sure people have the resources they need to move through things like loneliness. And this includes mental health initiatives. It includes flexible scheduling. It includes efforts to combat burnout because all of these things are happening all around us.
It might look like enhancing their wellness programs or their employee assistance programs, or at least publicizing them more among their employee base so that employees know that they have a wellness program or that they have an employee assistance program and that they work to destigmatize using those programs so that employees are more likely to take up those programs and get the help that they need. And of course, with smaller companies who maybe don't have focus programs like that, there are collaborative programs that they can buy into, buy shares of, and so forth. So companies that prioritize their employees' well-being will not only foster a productive workplace and a workplace culture, but they're also going to be far more likely to attract and retain that top talent. So my prediction number two is that focus on employee well-being initiatives intensify. This episode is made possible by Instacart. If you haven't already started using Instacart, now is the time, my friend. Now, I'm the first one to say that I actually enjoy a trip to the grocery store. I really do. But you know what I like doing even better? Making this podcast. When I was deep in the development of this podcast, outlining and recording the first few episodes, my kids reminded me that they needed to eat. Instacart to the rescue. In absolutely record time, Magnolia, my Instacart shopper that day, delivered chicken nuggets, milk, avocados, fresh berries, and a host of other groceries we needed. When life gets busy, or when you just want to feel like royalty and have someone do it for you, there's Instacart. Get $10 off your first order when you sign up at workingconversations.com forward slash Instacart. Now, back to the show. All right, on to prediction number three, my third and final prediction. This prediction is that meetings will be revolutionized by artificial intelligence and automation. From streamlining routine tasks to enhancing decision-making processes, AI technologies will become more ingrained in daily operations across all facets of work. And in fact, I think learning and development programs will be scrambling to stay up to date because it's crucial to ensure that the workforce is equipped to collaborate effectively using these technologies. Now, as the integration of AI and automation continues to accelerate, I predict that we're particularly going to see some radical changes in how AI can assist with online meetings. All the main meeting platforms currently already have rudimentary AI to record the meetings and create transcripts and so forth. Some of them even pull out keywords and themes and other helpful features. Platforms also provide analytics that dive deep into participant engagement. Yes, that's right. The meeting administrator can take a look at what percentage of people in the meeting were on other screens or had other active windows going instead of being active in the meeting. So when you're trying to multitask during a meeting, they can actually tell that you're not paying attention. The technology is there. In fact, that technology has been around for years. And in fact, in most meeting platforms, the meeting administrator can easily, at the click of a button, look at the top 10 most engaged people in that meeting and the top bottom engaged people, the people who are the least engaged. So those kinds of things already exist but we are going to see features accelerate quickly. Imagine if no one needed to take meeting minutes because the AI in Zoom did it for you or WebEx or Teams or whatever technology you're using. Imagine also that it assigned action items and then added them to your calendar where it saw free spots for you to work on those things. 
And in the blink of an eye, it made a list of questions that were asked in the meeting along with their answers, a helpful resource for somebody who wasn't able to attend the meeting, basically an FAQ for your meeting. And if you show up late to the meeting, and who among us doesn't do that from time to time, you can easily get a summary of what's already been discussed without having anybody catch you up. (laughs) These are the feature sets that are coming, my friends, and I think they will all roll out in 2024 and probably some more features that I haven't even thought about. Now, I've been teaching organizations how to hold better meetings, both in person and online, for decades, and I think that AI has some real implications for revolutionizing meetings, but only if the meetings are well run. Otherwise, it's going to be garbage in, garbage out. In order for AI to do its job well in taking meeting minutes and catching up late attendees accurately, the meeting needs to be well run. That includes everything from drafting agendas to facilitating the meeting itself and using a wide range of features in the meeting platform. If those things are not done well, then anything that AI generates is basically going to be garbage. Again, garbage in, garbage out. Now, when a meeting facilitator plans an effective agenda, uses the tools within the meeting platform effectively, and knows how to run a good meeting, pulling in the right subject matter experts, the right leaders, and the right participants at the right time, then AI can really amplify what they're doing in the meeting and definitely help that meeting owner or meeting facilitator get more agenda items across the finish line in the time that the meeting is held. If not, then there could be a dependence on or a a perceived dependence or even perceived accuracy of that AI and those AI-generated assets that are completely misleading or false. So it could do more damage than good if the meeting is not well run. So if you find yourself in the position of running a meeting and you're going to start using some of the AI tools that will be rolling out, and sometimes it's not even you using them, it's just a meeting attendee starts using them, you're going to want to make sure that you're running a really good meeting because we don't want garbage in, garbage out. So there you have it. My third prediction is that meetings will be revolutionized by artificial intelligence and automation. All right, let's quickly recap all three predictions for 2024. Number one, hybrid work models become the norm. Number two, a focus on employee well-being intensifies. And number three, meetings become revolutionized by artificial intelligence and automation. Now, 2024 promises to be a dynamic year for the workplace, marked by settling into more predictable patterns of where we work, a heightened focus on employee well-being, and a revolution in meeting technology thanks to generative AI. Navigating these trends will require agility and a proactive approach to ensure that organizations remain resilient and adaptable in the face of change. So remember, the future of work is not only about technology, It's about the values we uphold, the communities we build, and the sustainable growth we all strive for. We need to keep exploring, keep innovating, and keep envisioning the remarkable possibilities that lie ahead. As always, stay curious, stay informed, and stay ahead of the curve. And tune in next Monday for another insightful exploration of the trends shaping our professional world. Happy New Year, and until next time, my friends, be well. 
Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you're hearing on the podcast, head on over to Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts and give us five stars and a quick review. It really makes a difference and it keeps us bringing you valuable content that you can put into play in your life. I'm Dr. Janelle Anderson, and this is Working Conversations.